0: Welcome to the Nurture Hub Pregnancy and Birth Podcast with your hosts Shari Lyon and Nicola Lay. Together we bring over 30 years of experience
1: in working with women and partners through education, breathing, mindfulness and
0: evidence-based information and nurturing you through this transformation into motherhood. Join us on this journey as we connect with women and partners, mentoring, supporting and navigating the ups and downs of becoming parents. Welcome back to another episode, beautiful mummies. Today we are actually in person in the studio and we have Lydia Connolly who is the founder of and panties. Now Lydia is a mother of two and also a very experienced midwife. Welcome Lydia. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here so thank you for having me. I know it's so great to have you actually in person in, in the studio. Yes. It's like such, such a difference. So Lydia we wanted to invite you on because um, we've been promoting your product for well I, I think about a year yeah. now <clears throat> excuse me and We just would love to have you share your story as a midwife. What inspired you to create such a product? And, well, first of all, what are partum panties? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then ask some questions that – I think, again, from our own experiences, that no one ever told us to prepare for Mm. afterbirth with blood loss, what's normal, what happens to the uterus. So first of all, please share your story. How did you create this amazing product?
2: Okay, thank you. Um, So it... um, Obviously, working as a midwife, I would care for women looking after women after or during birth and after birth. Um, and I noticed that each time I would get a woman up after having – so she'd have a shower and I'd get her dressed, help her get dressed. And then we would, at the hospital, provide these mesh panties, bluey and big pads. And I was like, this is just crazy. We're doing like three products Um, for something that, you know, I didn't know in the future future that I would have one product. But um, I, I was like, I'd stand her up and then she would bleed. Most times they would just leak and it was just always very cumbersome, never easy. And so I um, decided that that was gonna be maybe something that I would look at to look into a product that would be um, solving a problem. So um, throughout the time I started researching and then I came across a woman wearing what looked like a Depends, but it wasn't a Depends at the time. Um, And I asked her where she got it from. She got it from in Asia. And so that was kind of like the, the the point there where I said, no, I need to find something similar, something that was feminine, something that was um, going to solve a problem, had a pad in a panty that was disposable, easy, women could just tear off and throw in the bin and it would solve all the heavy bleeding at the time. So, yeah, mm. that's where it came <laughs> from.
0: <laughs> wow, I remember wearing those oh. really uncomfortable Thick maternity pads, the and would boards. just bunch. <laughs> and yes. Oh, and I don't. I never wore pads even for my normal no, cycles. Same. Like I never felt comfortable in that. So mm. to then. Which is you you can't wear tampons in that after birth. No. Um, no. And so you feel really weird with those really
1: big surfboards because you feel like it's gonna slip, like kind of moves around because it's just so big. So I remember helpful. when she gave it to me, I was like, Whoa. And I guess this is the thing is that you don't realize that you actually do lose blood. Even if you've had a C-section or not, there is a lot mm-hmm. of blood loss. And I remember thinking, Wow, this is incredible. <laughs> like you're gonna this is this is this is how much I'm going to bleed, is it? And she was like, oh,
2: yeah. Mm. (laughs) And no one ever talked about this. And I think that's true as well. Um, C-section, women that are planning to have a C-section often think that they're not going to bleed Mm. very much at all. Um, But in most situations, they still bleed. Yes, um, theatre, they do, you know suck out a lot of blood in theatre but you still a woman will still bleed for up to Mm. six weeks following yeah what what should women expect
0: um or prepare for when it comes to postpartum blood loss what
2: um it's heavier than a period Mm -hmm. and it and it it obviously um you know it's uh placental um there's tissue that it's obviously a different type of, of blood um They can have clots come away. Um, It's quite heavy. You're changing a pad quite frequently, like every, um, you know, hour to more. Every two hours, if it's sort of less than that, we, you know, we get a bit concerned. Um, But it will be heavy for that first, um, you know, week to 10 days and then it will generally taper off as time goes by but certainly um, think of kind of your worst period and that's sort of what it is and it's thicker blood um, and it's very normal it's what Every woman will experience after having a baby. Yeah. Can it be painful? Um, not so much painful, but when you have afterbirth pains, you will, some women don't notice the afterbirth pains that first pregnancy or first mm-hmm. afterbirth, but as you have subsequent babies, you will notice more um, afterbirth pains, the intensity is a bit stronger. Um, when breastfeeding, you'll notice it's stronger, the pains are stronger, um, and again, that lasts for about a week or so. Can yeah. I just
1: ask to for our listeners, what what is that doing? What is, what is that intensity in the body? What's it trying to do? Is it bringing the uterus back into place? Yeah, and that's
2: right. So you're still having that oxytocin and it's, um, I mean, essentially it's a good thing and it's contracting that uterus and it's trying to bring that uterus back down to its original place. Yeah. So So, right inside. so the uterus
0: goes from being what as big as a watermelon and yeah. has to contract back. So how long yeah. will that normally take? Is it seven days? Is it 10 days? Can it be two yeah. weeks? Is it?
2: Yeah, so it does. It happens over a course of um, a couple of weeks and it would just get less and less over the time. And it's, yeah. So amazing. Body is amazing. It is. Yeah. And that's why when we're in um, uh, birth suite and the postnatal ward, you'll find a midwife will be um, checking your tummy, like in sort of a a C shape, U shape, whatever, over the top of where Mm. your belly button is and rubs your fundus to make sure that it's nice and firm and central and the body is doing what it needs to be doing so the uterus is contracting and returning back to its state.
1: Yeah. And I and I remember actually the the midwife coming over and I'd had an emergency C-section so everyone was really uncomfortable anyway. And I remember her messing around I was thinking what well, is she looking like wh- wh- why why are we doing this? Like mm-hmm. there was no explanation as to what that was meant to be yeah. doing and I was asking her a lot of questions <laughs> she wasn't very up for that answer but it it was yeah, it's being able to understand what why they're doing that and mm. to expect it because sometimes it can be, you know, when you're having this lovely relax for the first time and the baby's gone to sleep and then all of a sudden someone's coming and poking Bummy. around.
2: mummy in a, quite a firm way. Yeah, it's, it is
1: uncomfortable yeah. but there is a reason for it. Yeah, mm. that's right.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, can you talk to us about, you know, blood loss and postpartum blood loss and and, and what that is for, you know, women like I know we talked about that the the bleeding but even just that initial you know when you have different types of birth you know like we were saying about c-section and and the blood loss being different Mm -hmm. but we would also like kind of linking this into like postpartum hemorrhage and how -hmm. those two look like people don't really talk about loss of blood postpartum.
2: Yeah so we have um, a few different reasons why a woman would have a um, the reasons why she's having a postpartum hemorrhage. So, um, you know, is it the tone? Is the uterus not contracting? Is it um, coagulation? Like, um, not blood's not clotting? Is it trauma? Um, and is it tissue? So, retained mm-hmm. placenta, or is there a tear? Is there a, um, a vaginal tear? Um, or you know, a cesiotomy? So, they're the main reasons that we look for, and obviously. Um, We're not going to know till we're in the situation. It can be quite scary for sometimes, you know, a family or partner or even the woman. uh, She might not realise but, you know, after the birth and everything's gone really nicely and then suddenly, you know, we see a bit of a gush of of, um, blood come out and it's looking like a reasonably large amount of blood. Um, And the way we check that, I mean, obviously, um, we can see um, on the bed or wherever she is, um, but we'll weigh it and make sure. But over over the years, you obviously work out what looks like large and what's not. So we, you know, may start escalating and calling for help um, and using... um, you know measures to try and stop the bleeding um and we don't know I mean, we have risk factors we have women that come in that we know might be more likely to have a postpartum hemorrhage so we will prepare in that way um but you know it's hard to 100% identify if Mm. even if she's had a lovely pregnancy and labor sometimes it just happens Yeah. yeah
0: so what what is considered a postpartum hemorrhage like how much is it
2: Yeah, so over 500 mils of blood. Um, Again, you would um, visually interpret that. And then if you are suspicious and it has turned into a postpartum hemorrhage then obviously we would record everything and weigh all the different sheets and blueies and pads and things okay um and that can happen in the labor room it can happen up on the postnatal ward um she can have a secondary PPH um right yeah so even what days later um or? within like it can happen days but up in the ward even if she's transferred and she's been up there for 24 hours she can then have mm. a secondary she's still at risk of a secondary PPH women have gone home Um, and have presented back in, you know, weeks after with a secondary PPH.
0: So from what I understand with what happens after the birth, so once the baby is born, up on mother's chest, the placenta doesn't just suddenly stop working. It needs time to transfer the baby's blood that's currently in the placenta back to the baby. Once that blood has been transferred, and this is what we talk about, you know, delaying Mm -hmm. the clamping of the core to allow that, yeah, yeah, optimal um, until it goes goes white... What happens then? How does the placenta detach off the wall? Is it caused by the afterbirth contractions? Yeah. And then, because from what I've learned and understand, and how I like to share, is that when the placenta detaches off the uterine wall, it's like it leaves a big open wound yeah. that bleeds, and and there's
2: blood vessels, mm. right?
0: And so that's where we need those contractions after the birth. And those hormones of oxytocin to create those contractions Mm -hmm. to create clotting to stop the bleeding. Is that right? That's right. And so why would that not happen for some women? And what would cause, I guess, uh, or maybe the placenta not to detach or if it detaches but they're not having that... Those contractions to separation. effectively, yeah. you know, compress those exposed blood vessels. Yeah.
2: So there's two ways we handle it. Obviously, if we've um, intervened in her labor, then we will be giving a drug, which um, is similar to oxytocin, to help separate the placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we may be running the drip as well and trying to force those contractions in to help separate the placenta. Um, and then there's obviously a woman that's come in and had a, um, a normal um, labour and we'll hope that she'll have a physiological um, placenta, birth of placenta. Um, look, um, there could be a few reasons why that it doesn't happen. Um, environmental, um, you know, it's so important to... You know, just be still in that moment and try and keep those oxytocin hormones going and not be jumping on your phone and announcing your birth and stuff, you've still <laughs> got to do the placenta, so keeping minimal interruptions and trying to maybe even getting the baby on the breast if you're planning to breastfeed and um, creating more oxytocin to help separate. We've got um, you know, 40 minutes or so to birth the placenta. And it's about giving time as well, not forcing. Um, and I think sometimes we all kind of panic a bit if the placenta's not coming away and it hasn't done its job. But um, And look, there are some women, they do transfer to theatre and have to have a placenta, um, you know, a retained placenta for whatever reason, whether it's medications or environmental or it's just the uterus has just gone...
0: you know, it's
2: tight, it's done.
0: Because I get this question in my classes of, I'm going, mum's going, well, how long should we ask for to be supported? And I normally recommend asking for up to an hour, but Mm -hmm. if it's not out by a certain time, Mm -hmm. um, then considering, okay, well, what can we do to help bring those hormones in or getting Mm -hmm. her up and maybe sitting on the toilet with a bowl or something to get that gravity helping. Mm -hmm. Um, But could you please just actually explain the difference between active management and physiological cuz yeah. i think this is definitely something that has become so routine in the system yeah. that women aren't being given the option to have a physiological yeah. it, it's absolutely. just absolutely yeah uh, even yeah. i've i've had mums go to hospital antenatal classes and they'll be taught oh well after the after you have your baby we'll just give you this needle and yeah. your midwife might rub on your belly and and yeah. pull the placenta out yeah and so they're just like, oh, okay, well that's that's normal, um, and even if they have a physiological birth or undisturbed birth, it's they're just being given this without really it
2: being explained all the options. Yeah, sure. So, um, firstly, if um Firstly, it's time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's much quicker, much easier to give a woman an injection and get the placenta out and move her upstairs. Unfortunately to say that, that is true. It's a business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, if a woman has gone through MGP, what we call our um, uh, midwifery-led care, midwifery-led care mm-hmm. um, she'll be more supportive and have more time. Um, secondly, if she's had any type of intervention in her labour, um it's it's a given that they will give um, um, do active management and so that's the oxytocin and she can decline um, but it's again a time thing and if, if there's any been any type of intervention, then it's just it's it really is, routinely offered all the time and kind of almost a bit encouraged mm. because again it comes back to fear if there's going to be a postpartum bleed she's less likely to have a bleed if we give her the injection Um, So it it can
0: also be in a way like an in-case-of model of care. We'll we'll just give all women the injection in case they have a high risk of postpartum hemorrhage, we can manage it. That's right. And I think just speaking to this in helping women to understand that if you have had an induction, if you have had an epidural, or high intervention mm-hmm. in that kind of way that it if is. You've had
2: your waters broken and it you were labored on your own, you're still probably going to be offered uh, the oxytocin. Mm. You know you can try and you know um, get support you know and have uh, on your side but and you can, you can decline anything, you don't have to, but often it will always be offered unless you have really gone down that midwifery leg care where you've really had no interrupt interruption mm. intervention in your labor. All the yeah, education is so, it's important. so important. And even for the
0: birth partners to be able to go, hang on a minute, what what's that needle? We spoke, you know, this is not what we want. Can yes. we be given some time? Yes. What's the reason? What are the benefits? What are the yes. risks? But it because it I've shared this story before. It happened to me. Like I actually knew I had the option. I had a beautiful physiological birth. It was oh it was a normal. It was normal. And after the birth, I had Harley in my arms and I said to the midwife, I want to birth my placenta naturally. And she literally snapped at me and said, I don't have time to wait for your placenta and injected the needle of syntocin into my thigh. Mm. I was so exhausted. Like I wasn't traumatised by that, but it was like... That was taken away from you. It It was. was. I was not... She like forced Harley on my breast. There was... It was just so... Because she was was busy. Busy. And I do respect that all the midwives that are working in the system are doing their best. Mm. I absolutely understand that. Um but i just felt like i had this beautiful physiological birth and then she medicalized it mm-hmm. and it wasn't because i was having a postpartum hemorrhage she didn't say i'm concerned about time. blood loss it was it was time and that my next pregnancy i was like this is not going to happen to me mm-hmm. i am I yeah. know my options, I know my rights and I, I did have a home birth mm. with, for my second but I knew also how to help myself. Mm. I encouraged to lead a breast and to bring that oxytocin in. Mm. I my drank voice. a tea, don't yeah. know if the tea worked but <laughs> I was willing to try. You know, I got out of the birth pool and upright and on my yes. knees whilst feeding her so that gravity right. could help. Like, And my placenta was out within 20 minutes. I did not have excessive blood loss. And I was able to have a physiological mm-hmm, mm-hmm. third stage. And I know that it. you don't know what's going to happen. And mm. I think that's where also understanding that, that active management absolutely has its time and place yeah. and it saves many lives. Yeah. But so many of us that are birthing within the hospital system are not even realising that there is –
1: that, another way that
0: option yeah. mm. and what's normal and understanding when it is dangerous and what is a postpartum hemorrhage why is it happening mm. <clears throat> understanding that it's not mm. the uterus contracting mm. you know mm. it's mm. just so unknown mm. and this is where the trauma of like after the birth of like what's happening what's am i you know and even partners like going is she well it can feel like, really
1: scary for them hey really when scary. they see all this blood loss and they're like Oh, what, like, yeah. what is what this? Yeah. So it's important for if you're listening to, like, let your partners be really educated on this mm-hmm. too. So it's not this really weird thing that happens at the end when there's all this joy in the room and then all of a sudden we're like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think totally what, I re- what I remember for being in, like, attending births to support women in, you know, in the past was that was the bit when I used to watch this amazing birth. And then you'd feel this little bustle in the room of all the midwives coming in, waiting for this placenta to come. And then I realized in that moment, ah, this is the bit where they get a little bit nervous because this is when it can turn quite quick Mm, into something else. And I could feel that in the room. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting observation. Mm. I've asked lots of midwives in the past, what do you feel about lotus birthing? And they're all like, "Mm." (laughs) because it's, it's, it's really hard to not be somewhat controlling that part of it, isn't it, if you're a midwife?
2: Yeah, look, I don't ever see that I've never seen really that on our No,
1: award. you wouldn't not on a ward, yeah.
2: No, um it's not well supported. It's um yeah, unfortunately if you are coming to birth at a hospital, you would most likely expect um, to have, you know, some sort of possible intervention or, um, you know, it, it's something that the hospital are, are doing all the time to, to be, I guess, yeah, safe and mm. kind of um, get it working get it all the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've heard – I actually even had a client text me saying, can you please explain to me – because I was told by my midwife that after the birth that they will do um, fundal massage to get Mm -hmm. the placenta out. Mm -hmm. Can you please explain that, why Mm -hmm. a midwife would do that? Do women – because she was made to feel that that's what's going to happen. Do they – What's the benefits of it? What is the reason why they would do it? Mm -hmm. Do women have to have it to get Mm -hmm. the placenta out?
2: No. So if um, you're having active management and you're basically pulling at the placenta (laughs) to get Mm -hmm. the placenta out, you're you're guarding obviously the uterus, but you're not doing the the fundal uh, massage is more if you're having um, a PPH like a postpartum hemorrhage, okay. um, and you're rubbing up the fundus, you know, trying to create the contraction. And obviously, um, that is not it, it is a bit of a hot topic. It's not um, routine everywhere, um, and I think purely in a uh, postpartum hemorrhage situation it's done more frequently and it's painful um, it's a step that's involved in trying to manage the bleeding um, and a lot of people well, a lot of women sorry just don't expect it it's very mm, uncomfortable painful. and mm. painful um, the other part of the what might be referred to as the fundal massage is a um, midwife checking if the fundus is firm and central and it hasn't deviated. Like if a woman needs to do a wee, um, pass urine, obviously this um, the um, uterus is not sitting in the position that we like, so we sort of rub the fundus a little bit. But that's not uncomfortable. That's okay. just checking to see. But fundal massage is purely uh, more to do with a, a PPH scenario. Okay.
0: Yeah. And if a woman ha- if a woman has had a Uh, a physiological birth and they are given the injection or Mm -hmm. they choose that to reduce the risk of of a PPH, Mm -hmm. do do you have to do cord traction? Because there are risks with cord traction as well where they're pulling on the cord, isn't there?
2: Yeah, there is. Um, From my experience, once you're giving the injection and you're intervening, then you uh, essentially are trying to get the placenta out, so you need to... um, you know, and you don't have to pull on it too hard. You're just guiding it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if, obviously, you have to be very careful, you don't snap the cord. Mm-hmm. Um, so you learn how to do it correctly and with hope it comes. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you escalate, get some help from a senior. Or if it's not coming, then we obviously are going to theatre right yeah but yeah if you're giving the injection then I think look again at the end of the day you can still decline it's your Mm. it's your birth and um, Mm. you know your placenta and if that's what you want to do that's fine too just need to be given a bit more time and obviously encouragement and protection from your care as well
0: which is, mm. I mean,
2: those moments after birth, you are in a whole
0: different world. It's like you're not really... you not back in your body out. either. No, <laughs> you shouldn't be ready to fight mm. either. But mm. that this is... I just can't express enough why it's... And this is why we wanted to share this and have you want mm. to speak to this because hopefully this just is a, a nugget of information for our listeners to be able to go, I never even thought about yeah, that. Right. Let's mm. write some stuff down. And as we mm. advocate all through our... Our podcast this is not medical advice it should never be seen as medical advice this is to help you write these questions down to go yeah. and take to your midwife and yeah. have conversations with yeah. your obstetrician yeah. or your midwife to understand okay where is like the model of care that we're birthing in what are their views on it what do they offer mm-hmm. why what are the reasons mm-hmm. what are my options so that you can have those conversations and prepare and understand when, yes, it's absolutely necessary for the safety of your life compared to where maybe you can wait and just see. And it's not about going in and going, nope, I'm refusing all active management. I don't want the Sintocin. But it's understanding and going, well, just give us some time. That's all Mm, I wanted. mm, mm. All I wanted was just to be able to go, well, can I just, I just want some time. Mm. Like I had a beautiful birth that wasn't, high risk. I didn't have any intervention and I just wasn't given that time. And that's all we ask for and if you feel I'm
2: losing too much blood, talk to me yeah. and just start doing things like go like explain like and it is hard when you are in an emergency situation and for healthcare providers working, they are task oriented mm. and it's hard. Usually there'll be someone trying to talk to the partner or talk to the mother, but it, it is really important to be able to convey those, what's happening and try and explain. But um, coming back to that, it's not, um, you know, one situation fits all. It's, no. um It is about being informed and, look, epidurals can work for some women Mm -hmm. and oxytocin inductions can work for others like if there's Mm -hmm. something maternal or baby that you the baby needs to come out then obviously an induction is the best way going forward and you have these conversations and not saying that it's not or an epidural is not or anything Mm -hmm. like that it's about having those conversations and talking and finding out what's best for you um and not walking into you know birth suite and just saying I'll just go with the flow you know it's being informed and knowing that this might happen if you choose this step or these are the risks or you know the benefits weighing it all up for you in your personal situation and having those chats with your partner or your birth support so you're all a little bit more prepared and not so shell shocked yeah Yeah.
1: Well, let's change the subject to the next uncomfortable thing that no one really talks about is the first wee and poo after birthing. And that's even post C-section too, because I remember after my first baby having the emergency and exhausted because I'd already done 27 hours of being in labour and then Mm. up to theatre I remember kind of tainted, you know, just had the catheter taken out and then I was like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. I remember sitting on the toilet and my, you know, everything felt so vulnerable in that area because you've got this, you know, big like wound. Mm. Um, and and then you've got to like, because you've had that surgery, then it's like, oh, I've got to go for a poo now. <laughs> mm. But you know, that's when I was able to bring in my breath work that I teach people to help me release that, that bowel movement. But no one really talks about this. And actually, I remember being at my, you know, the first, like, meet up with all the new mums, which we used to have in Sydney. And no one would talk about it. And I just brought it straight out to the table. Who did their first? poo? what was it like? And everyone just burst out laughing and not one person. You know, everyone had a story around that and the feeling of it. And that's why I love all your products as well, because you've got, you know, the, all the little things that you can buy to help with this. And they didn't have that. I mean, I don't remember seeing that, like, 11 years ago. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it's all the rage now, the Perry bottle. Um, it and is. Spray, like and the spray. spray. Yes. Spray.
0: They've, you've got the ice Yes, ice ice pads. Yeah, yeah. what? Yeah,
1: like I never. Pad it was nothing signals. like that.
0: <laughs> I had nothing uh, besides the normal pad. There, yeah, there was nothing. Yeah. It wasn't. And I was holding on for dear life (laughs) onto the sides of the walls, trying not to wee on myself because if you have a tear or a... a graze, yeah. I had a graze. I didn't have any tearing. But even if you do have those stitches, the urine's so hot and acidic. Mm, mm. Um, How can women help themselves with that? So
2: drink plenty of water, (laughs) um, even if you can have some urals. um, Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so have some urals straight away um lean forward when you're sitting mm. on the toilet have, have your first wee in the shower I always say to women have it like that first shower that you get up have a wee in the shower where you've got water mm. running um, the peri bottles are fantastic use that to spray when you're um, doing your first wheeze um, you know pat dry um no rubbing toilet paper there um when it comes to your first poo um, you know mm. if you've had a significant tear and a episiotomy um it's really important to have the stool softeners. Yeah, keep the water up again. Eating healthy. Um, when you're on the ward, you're not really moving around much, so you're not really feeling like you probably your bowels are ready to go. Um, but we do like you to have passed a bowel movement before you leave the ward. So you know if you're feeling up to it, walking around the ward um, and getting some movement going, and then once you're feeling relaxed, going to the toilet. Um, Another thing, if you're on, if you've had a C-section and you are on high meds, yes, not falling into that trap of laying there for long periods of time until your bladder is about to explode, mm. um, because you get a bit of urinary retention and then that turns into a very painful uh, bladder and passing urine. So, mm. um, yeah, look. Try not to overthink it too much, um, and it'll happen when it's going to happen. Do some breathing. Do some, yeah, you can suggest something. <laughs> or even some a squatty potty. You know, yeah, I, well, we have them. Every to every
1: the... toilet I have in this house has got a, a stool, so yeah, my kids no, already I know that's, that's the best it. way to, to pass a bowel movement. Yeah.
2: they're not given at the hospital um so i mean they're a great idea i know a lot of osteos and physios recommend them so when getting home um great idea but again um yeah so stool softeners um waiting until you really need to go not forcing um use a pillow if you've had a c-section to support Mm. you there and your tummy um and Go in the shower, use the peri bottles. When you're putting your pads on, the peri spray onto the Oh, that's pads, a good idea. Yeah, with the witch hazel and things, and that really right. soothes and heals. So, And they
0: can do that in um, the, the underwear that you've, yeah, you've made yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah. that's
2: right. Um, ice pack for the first 24 hours um, on there, but I really believe more... Um, so it's sort of in the, the Chinese culture where it's um, cold, like warmth after the cold. Mm. So um, because the cold restricts your blood vessels and stops, re- um, and so it will feel good initially. But I think for recovery, you really need to w- move into the warmth afterwards. So, yes. um, yeah, cold for initially, then um, warmth, and then that's it. Some supportive underwear, like some support mm. wear afterwards, and then you should be good to go.
1: And and let's talk about tearing while we're here because you know, not wanting to scare anybody, but it does happen. It's mm. part of birth. Sometimes this happens even if you have the most amazing birth, mm, yeah. you can sometimes have that tearing. Um how can how can women get that prepared for that 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 might happen and and how to look after that when they go home?
2: Yeah. So um I really believe in doing some perineal massage. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so um, there's so much um, videos, so many, so much information on how to do it. Um, instructions on how to do perineal massage. So that's a really a, a big one, which will help um, reduce um, the tearing. Um, even if you have grazes, big tears, episiotomies, all of it's going to be. You mean you've stretched and pushed out. Know a baby, you're gonna have even if there's no tears, it's gonna be sore and tender Mm -hmm. down there for a little while. Um, so again, just the ice packs initially. Um, I don't know how you can prepare other than doing perineal massage. Um, you know, your midwife can help you um, in labor to um, your positions and to. Really, kind of control um, if it's a hands on or a hands off, but um, trying to stop some tearing going on um, at your perineum. Um, but again, recovery is just take it slow, don't overdo it. Um, and you can take high pain relief if you need to, so paracetamol and brufen, which um, helps with inflammation as well. Arnica on there, yeah. Yeah, and so nice soft pads on there too, mm. vital panties. <laughs> Great. And
1: and the other thing that I remember was, and again, no one really talks about this, and I'm sure that there are products or ways that, that you can do it, is that a C-section scar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember going oh my god my undies are falling right onto the scar at the edge of it yeah this is like not okay and uh, it was so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so I remember getting just intuitively getting one of the surfboards sticking it onto the other side of my undies. so I had this big pad at the front and the midwife came and she went oh that's a really genius idea and I'm just like I don't know other than I have to wear undies so I don't know what else to do I mean Do the pads that you have for postpartum help with that too? Yeah,
2: so they come up nice and high-waisted and they're really nice and stretchy and Mm. soft if you've got um, a Caesar wound there. Um, The stitches are done internally and then you've got some uh, clear bandage on the outside and that will come off around day 7 to 10. Um, And then it's obviously just the wound part. You can't see any stitches and. Um, it, best not to really do too much with it for um, you don't need to put any creams or anything like that let it heal the wound heal Um, so I have something I always put women in like the binders that we have at the hospital they're um, a binder material that's not too strong where it's uncomfortable they can't move but it's essentially like an elastic kind of support oh wow but Otherwise, you just you can buy. I actually didn't sell them as well, but a postpartum support band that again makes you feel firm and sits there comfortably, um, doesn't rub on your wound, um, and yeah, I think there's been a lot more um, discovery and talk about. Um, as the wound has healed, really trying to rub and get the um, feeling back there, mm-hmm. it can take quite a while. It can. Yeah, mm. so many weeks, months before you feel anything there, it's quite normal. Um, and you'll find a lot of women talk about one side being yes. more uncomfortable than the other. Yeah. Um, my view on that one is where they've tied off the sutures mm. and they've tied – the finish part and it's sort of pulled on that side and that's the side that's always a bit sore. Um, again, just taking it slow. Um, there's, you know, uh, again, ways to get out of bed correctly that you are not overdoing it and you're supporting your abdominal muscles. Again, using a pillow to support mm. um, and just really taking it slow. You've had major surgery um gone through many layers so it's really important to take it slow
1: yeah I think that's I always say to women you know if you were to have just normal surgery like a hysterectomy they would say yeah no lifting no doing anything for like six to eight weeks oh c-section yeah just go home now and (laughs) (laughs) off you go (laughs) and you're like I can't stand up straight that's the other thing that happens you just Mm -hmm. feel like you can't actually take a full length of your torso because you feel like you, you kind of stooped because you're a bit scared to stand tall. That's right. And I think what really helped me was just walking, actually. Just walking around the wards yeah. and I was determined to get home. So I was like baby in the cot thing wheeling her up and down the ward so I could get home. But that I helped.
2: Think, yeah, you feel better getting up after a woman's had a C-section. She really doesn't want to get up. Mm. But the quicker you get up. The better. the better you feel. You're less likely to obviously get a blood clot as well and movement is so important and it only takes a few steps around your yeah, room like, that just makes yeah, you feel so much walk.
1: better.
2: <laughs> yeah, get up, have a shower, get the catheter out and start to feel human again. Yeah,
0: i yeah. love for that.
2: There's so much valuable information in this
0: episode. Um, thank you so much for coming in and sharing oh, this because it's just... Thank you. I We just want women to know and understand all of this. So where can women buy your products yeah So
2: yeah so no um I always had the view that it needed to be it's an essential product it needed to be in pharmacies I've always had that my long-term vision is to have it easy accessible to everyone um and so we're slowly getting into more and more pharmacies um we're into some baby stores if they jump on my website they can have a look um for our stockists um being on the Gold Coast, we are in quite a few pharmacies uh, on the Gold Coast, and it's um, yeah, it, it's definitely more accessible here. Um, but what I initially did, as well as I had them available in maternity, which I still do. Um, maternity hospitals, like tertiary hospitals, you know, some of the big ones mm-hmm. that they can just run down in those early days and grab packs and just ha- be a bit more comfortable in those early days. Yeah. And
0: how much should they stock up on? That's, I think, another question. Yeah, that's a, a good point, idea. So yeah, It yeah.
2: depends. So I normally say around three to four packs. So one panty really is, is um, eliminating using, you know, three or four pads. You can wear them for a lot longer. You're less likely to leak in them. You're not mm-hmm. leaking up the back where you're changing pads and undies all the time. So um, I recommend, yeah, anywhere between three and four. Everyone says different things depending. Again, you don't know how much you're going to bleed. So um, some people might say only use two packs. Some people have ordered again and, and mm. said that they needed more and quick, you know, express delivery. So um, it's, it's different for everyone.
0: And is it one size fits all? Do you have different sizes? We
2: have, yeah, we have two sizes. So we have a medium and a large. Our medium um, are sort of for our smaller sizing from size 8 and a full stretch of size 12. Um, stretch really well around the belly um, and then we've got the size large, which is going from sort of a size 12, 14 right up to a size 18, 20 at the most. Mm.
1: So, yeah. And you don't just sell the pads, you do like quite a few things don't you like the Perry bottles you do the labor comb which is the whole other conversation Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you also do the support bands as well don't you yeah
2: yeah so I've got one for pregnancy and I've got one for postpartum both um, bands Mm. to really you know support you and make your pelvis feel better and move better and just get through your Mm. pregnancy better um, and your postpartum and then we've also got I've got some new underwear coming out, which will be um, really exciting because it's, it's in my own brand as well, so, so some exciting. support wear. So we'll be able to sell that into um, retail outlets as well. Um, so we've got the labour comb, which I highly believe in. I think that's an amazing little tool to use throughout, uh, throughout labour. Um, the peri bottle, the peri spray. Um, um, yeah, I think that's it, yeah. And That's obviously awesome. our hero product, Pardon Panties.
1: <laughs> I love it. So you've got everything for your hospital bag. you just yeah, got to go to your website yeah, to get yeah, it.
2: Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a few more things coming along
0: too. Great. Well, please keep us posted and we will put all of your details, website, Insta, all in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. lovely. Have thank you. Thank back. you. Great yeah, to chat. Definitely. Thank you.
1: We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that it's helped you on your own journey. We would love it if you would subscribe and leave us a review.
0: To learn more about our individual online or face-to-face courses or be mentored by us for your own birth, please see our show notes for the links to our programs.